This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. It's time for football. Salah. Escape Cancela off. Brilliant from Mo Salah. And still, Salah. Oh, sensational. Absolutely sensational. Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. Hello and welcome to Just for Kicks, or European Super League for short, here on BFM. And we have the three pundits here who are going to talk us through. Yes, the European Super League, which has raised its ugly head again, and Carabao Cup and Premier League and um, local football, which is uh, the season has just wrapped up. And also World Club Cup. I don't know, maybe. Uh, so the three pundits today are Sean Malhotra. Hi, hi everyone. Hope you had a great Friday. Uh, it, it sounds like a man who hasn't had a great Friday. <laughs> Asran Rosin. Hey, everyone. It's been a good week. Looking forward to more action ahead. Asran is my fellow Kale City Ultra. We went together to watch a fascinating nil-nil draw. I'm by my uh, big one, Lubor, of course. <laughs> and Descore Kill. Yes, a little bit worried about that legal ruling that we're going to kick off with in just a moment. Uh, football. I'm not a big fan of change, particularly when it's not good change. Mm. So, Sean, you are up to speed on where the European Super League stands. Could you tell us what's going on? So, you know, we said this a few months ago when the, it first came up that it will not be the end of the whole Super League nonsense. And lo and behold, it suddenly comes back again, Florentino Perez spearheading it, mentioning that, <clears throat> you know, it's time for change and blah, blah, blah. Suddenly, you hear this mention of sixty clubs. Before this, there was there was no mention of sixty clubs, and then six it's zero. going to be yeah six zero six zero, yep. six zero. three divisions yeah and three divisions. They had names for it and so on. Big time bonuses. They even mentioned about packages for fans, where all the games would be free to watch. So Yay. again, Florentino Perez spearheading it, mentioning that all the you know big clubs can join it. But as that was mentioned. Time went on a bit. I think it's been like a day or two. You've seen so many clubs pull out. The Premier League clubs are not not going to be in it. Atletico Madrid, I think, was the first Spanish club to come out and say that we're not going to be a part of this. Uh, a lot of the German clubs have said no. So as things stand, it's still the two Spanish clubs in Barcelona and Real Madrid who are shoe-ins for it. I think the uh, president of uh, Barcelona also came out with a huge statement on it. Did it in English, mind you. So... I still don't think it's the end of it. There's still so many complications when it comes to this, but we knew that this was going to come back. And the thing Fine. is, I have this weird fear inside of me that it's going to happen. Maybe not now, but within the next five to 10 years, it may actually happen. Yeah. I bet t- t- uh, Ted Bowley of uh, Chelsea would be interested. Oh, Des, sure. uh, you you love change and this is exciting. <laughs> it's your kind of thing, isn't it, Des? Ah, uh, yeah, it's a little bit, a little bit scary. Um, when something isn't broken, and I don't think uh, the Premier League is broken, then, uh, then, uh, then changing it for something that uh, is a real threat to it is, is a problem. Um, they've kind of tried to address the the relegation and promotion issue with the sixty clubs, but where does it leave your my old favourite, the likes of Lackington Stanley? Where does it leave Malaysian football? Where does it leave the rest of football behind? If you can ignore FIFA. And if you could ignore UEFA, you're, you're heading into a, chao- a chaotic place where only the likes of Top Bowley uh, benefits, uh, where only the, the, the rich benefit. And football, to me, is the ultimate socialist sport. 
it's now becoming the play toy of uh, uh, extremely wealthy um, pe business people and, and countries. And that is, to me, the terrifying thing. Yeah, football will carry on. They say, no, not not, not really. Not not if a Super League like this comes into play. Uh, so I, I'm right very, here. very worried because uh, we're, we're already losing too many good things about what was a great sport. Yeah, change is coming on, but not all change is good. Yeah, but Azran, it's not it's not supposed to actually replace the likes of the Premier League. It's uh it's yet. to replace the likes of uh <laughs> yet, says yeah, Des. It's uh, a, the um UEFA Cups and it's to compete against another, if I can say it, capitalist capitalistic structure in UEFA. Uh it's again, it's a battle between two evils, one that we don't know about, one which is already established. I think it's personally for me, I'm also against it. I think what needs to be done is more governance on UEFA and to ensure that they, we check UEFA to ensure that they don't, because I, I, I'm, I'm with this, um, football is a sport for everyone. And the more we make it or we turn it into too much of a business, the worse it gets. So for me, as you can see, the leaders of this Super League or briefly European Super League are the two giants of La Liga who already get a big share of the TV revenue, and still, it's not enough for them. So, when is it enough? Uh, it's it's going to be a spiraling step in a way, right? Spiraling slope. So, for me, yeah. hopefully, we put an end to it. I'm I'm glad that a number of clubs have spoken up against it. Uh, let's just ensure that the governance that we are already in place is executed well and fairly. That's it. Yeah, we have fans here of two clubs, Liverpool and Manchester United, both owned by Americans. And uh, yeah, so they have the the franchise system in America, and I, I would imagine they find it very attractive. Of course, so, both, our, uh, both our owners were interested in the beginning too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But so we move way. on. We move on to one uh, cup that um, hopefully will never be under threat. Uh, Des's favorite, the the mighty Carabao Cup. Uh, Liverpool five, West Ham one. Uh, I'm going to rattle through all the scores of the latest round. Everton one, Fulham one. Fulham go through on penalties. Chelsea one, Newcastle one. Chelsea go through on penalties. And Port Vale nil, Middle Middlesbrough three. We also have the semi-final draw: Middlesbrough versus Chelsea, Liverpool versus Fulham. Uh, Des, um, people are saying that the Carabao Cup. Is a better quality cup competition than the FA Cup. Oh gosh, um, it's as you can see in the the semi finals. It's a cracking games there. Uh, an informed Fulham against Liverpool, um, uh, rejuvenated Chelsea. Imagine if Chelsea win the League Cup, it could be the start of something versus Middlesbrough, which is bumping at the moment. Um, so it's still very attractive. The, the FA Cup gets attractive as well once you hit, hit the latter stages. But as we're seeing, these these were big tournaments that they they become secondary already. The League Cup has been diluted. Um, people uh, the the likes of Liverpool don't uh, play until the third round. It's effectively two matches into a semi final uh, for, for for Liverpool and, and Chelsea. So it's already been diluted. But for the likes of Middlesbrough, this is fantastic. The likes of Fulham, this is a wonderful opportunity to actually try to get your hands on a trophy. They won't be going in as favourites. But they'll certainly be going in more motivated than both their semi-final uh, semi-final opponents. Uh, superb win for um, Fulham at a rejuvenated Everton. Gosh, um, some some good stuff from uh, Sean Dyche at, at Everton. Not pretty, 
but um, effective. And Middlesbrough, I, I, I know a couple of Middlesbrough fans, and the city is absolutely pumping with what Middlesbrough are doing. Uh, youngest team uh, coming good, and imagine them at Wembley uh, playing for a cup final. Uh, the, 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 the town would be emptied. Um, yeah. So is it better than the FA Cup? I don't know because we'll worry about the FA Cup when we get there. But it's a great opportunity for Fulham and Middlesbrough. Yeah, but a, a thing of a change, there's, um, the semi-finals are played over two legs. I think it would have been more attractive if it's played over one. That allows more of a cup upset to be possible. Because when you play home and away, Middlesbrough playing Chelsea, one and a one-off game, I think Middlesbrough can pull off an upset. But over two legs, one at Stamford Bridge and one in Middlesbrough, it's going to be tough. Yeah, yeah. I agree. One, one, one match only. Then penalties. Okay, so just, and you just out. want another FA Cup then? Uh, no, no, no distinguishing features between the two. Yeah, because the FA Cup has uh, two, two legged semi finals, doesn't it? No, 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 no it doesn't. Oh, because yeah. they go in the the Wembley now. Better yeah. still. Better still. Yeah. Um, okay, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to come to the real thing, which is the Premier League, here on Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. More football when we come back. Just for Kicks, BFM 89.9. Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. And we're back with myself, Cam, and Dez, and Azran, and Sean. And now, Sean, I'm going to banish our two Liverpool uh, fans to one side. And I'm going to ask you about the coming up match between Liverpool and Arsenal, both high-flying. How do you think this one's going to go? Oh, I'm so excited for this game, mainly because, you know, I saw how Liverpool played against United last week, and I... I'm being completely honest. United dominated the game. Uh, Liverpool, brilliant in every sense, except for putting the ball at the back of the net. That big win midweek is going to rejuvenate that whole team. It's going to pump them up. But don't forget, Arsenal are no, no, no pushovers and they're leading the table right now. Of course, the, the biasness in me hopes Arsenal wins, but I have a feeling it's going to be very entertaining. I don't think Arsenal are going to go at Liverpool. I think they're going to set up in a way where they'll try to hit Liverpool on the counter. As as good as their team is, is just playing in an open, expansive manner as the away team at, at Anfield is, is is no easy task. I still see see it going down the route of a draw because, like I said, you know, earlier this week, I have a feeling come the end of this weekend, come going into Christmas, Villa is going to be top of the Premier League and I'm glad to say something like that. But I think it's going to be a very entertaining draw. Uh, Azran, um, as a Liverpool fan, you uh, and be professional here. I know. Forget being a Liverpool fan. Be professional here. Um, can Liverpool score at will? Indeed, can Arsenal score at will? This could be just a dull nil-nil. I'm always professional, but <laughs> <laughs> of course, I think personally, this game would the expectation of a neutral fan, for example, would be better than, for example, Liverpool against United because of what has happened or the situation of Manchester United. So. We expect it to be a much open game and we expect to see more goals in this game. So back to your question, I think yes, both teams are capable of scoring. I think both teams have slight issues in defence at this point of time. So yeah, I expect it to be a game that will have goals in it for sure. Uh, the big question is who's going to score one more than the other. Mm. Okay, Des, you've got this one down as a draw. Um, a, a high scoring draw? Uh, an entertaining draw. Uh, entertaining draw. I'm uh, just a little bit concerned that uh, Liverpool are looking to, uh, like they've got a little bit of fatigue and a, a number of injuries just beginning to kick in in front of a, a very busy schedule. And, and Arsenal don't seem to have those injuries. That, um, and with Declan Rice, they've got a tour de force. So, uh, yeah, 
Uh, it's at Anfield, so a Liverpool defeat is unlikely um, because the crowd, now they've been given a, a telling off by Jurgen Klopp, they should be on their toes for this one. And uh, it could be an entertaining uh, game, but I am worried about Liverpool, the personnel. They need to get some bodies back on the pitch. Uh, uh, Gravenberg was back. And, and also, I've got this horrible feeling. Last time Liverpool beat West Ham 5-1 in midweek and played Arsenal um, in, in, in a big match. It was uh, 1989 and the league title decided and Arsenal went and won 2-0 two, two, two after <laughs> Liverpool had beaten uh, West Ham 5-1. Little things like that, they, they just stick in the memory. So I'm a bit worried about this one. As I was worried about the United game and I was right, right to be worried uh, about the United game, I feel Liverpool, uh, this will be a draw, I'm sure. Was that the match when they didn't, the, the Liverpool players didn't seem to really fully understand what the scoreline was and what it meant? No, it was the one Michael Thomas scored with the last kick of the season. They knew exactly well, what it meant. Okay. Etched, etched in my brain. You can feel it yeah. in this voice. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> After Hillsborough as well. Never mind. That's, that that yeah. was then. That was a long time ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Sean, you mentioned them just now. Uh, Aston Villa will be playing Sheffield United on Saturday. This, I mean, Sheffield United are, well, they're everybody's whipping boy. And <laughs> this shouldn't be any different, surely? I yeah I can't see it going any differently. I think Chris Wilder coming back into to Sheffield United is a it's not a plan for the now. It's a plan for the for the future in the terms of going back into the championship and trying to find their way back up because the golf in class in their team is 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 in immense. There's not enough in their team to keep them up or or to scrape points. And you're going up against a Villa who, if I'm not mistaken, uh on a 15-game win streak at home. Yep. So, I think it's going to be a it's a horrible day for, for Sheffield United and their fans. Yes, I said Sheffield United this time, by the way, not Sheffield Wednesday or anything. So, <laughs> I think Aston Villa are going to have a, a great day at the office and I, I think they're going to be glad to see themselves top of the table come Christmas. Gogolin's going to be a very happy man. <laughs> it's going to be very smart, actually. It doesn't seem to do happiness. It's a bit, a bit odd. Um, Azran, uh, what is it that Emery has done I mean, on the pitch? What are they, how do they, what are they doing? I think they are utilizing the strength out of the team. He knows his best 11. He knows, I mean, he knows the players, how they can really, really impact uh, the opponents. He's utilizing the speeds very well. I mean, in midfield, John McGinn has been a revelation this season, if you ask me. I mean, he's been amazing, immense. Together with Douglas Lewis, uh, both of them really controlling the middle of the park. They've got pace down the wings and they've got an informed striker with the name of only Watkins that just can't stop scoring goals. So I think everything's going right for Villa at this point of time. Even the defense, they've got some slight issues, obviously, with certain suspensions to so Lucas Demia. But even then, they've got the likes of Matty Cash, uh, who has played quite well this season. So again, everything's going right, really. I think Emery has. He knows his best 11. He knows the strength of each player and he's utilizing it to the best of his abilities. And they are really, I think it comes as a surprise to everyone because people do not expect Aston Villa to cons consistently win. I think everyone in sure somehow expects, look, we can put the game to Villa, but if you do that, you'll be exposed and they've got the necessary strength to utilize those um, weaknesses that you have at the back. So uh, good times for Villa at this point of time. So as what Sean mentioned, they might be uh, leaders come Christmas. Yeah, uh, 
Because Des, I mentioned on the previous show your theory that uh, this is all because of the the groundwork that Stephen Gerrard put in, and um, <laughs> Des, they laughed. It was. Uh, <laughs> I agree, uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, it, it is quite astonishing. And with Man City crashing and burning, and Crisis Club, etc., uh, do you foresee Aston Villa putting in a title challenge here? Can we imagine? A top four bid, definitely. Um, once you get into the new year, once you get into February, March, that's then some big games will, will, will kick in for Villa. But it's a lovely position to be. So all you can do is be competing uh, at Christmas. Then you make sure you're competing at the end of January. Make sure you're competing at the end of February. And if you're still in the mix at the end of March, then then you, you're there. It, the, the old cliche, the old Shanks cliche, one game at a time. That's all Villa have got to do. One game at a time. Um, all the clubs have got to do that. But uh, Villa... They look strong. They don't have injuries. Um, they seem to be putting out a, a strong 11 week in, week out. Emi Martinez keeps on pulling out uh, extraordinary performances in um, in goal. Um, Watkins looks a very good striker and Emery's got them playing uh, superbly. I'd be amazed if they do win the title. I wouldn't put I wouldn't put much of your money on there. But uh, they're certainly a top four, four bet, definitely. If they did get injuries, do they have squad depth? I don't know. I'm... I'm... Ish, but uh, it, it's a squad of maybe 16 or so. I mean, you're seeing Mourinho coming in for Lu Lucas Digne. Yes, he's done well, but he's not Lucas Digne. He's not as strong uh, on, on, on down the left-hand side. And if they lose Pau Torres, I think Torres is a, is a very important um, player for them as well. And even the Watkins goals up front. So you, you just get a couple of injuries in key yeah. positions. And I don't think Villa have got that depth, real depth, to be able to cope with that. But avoid injuries, you never know. Yeah. Uh, Sean, um, I'm jumping one match here for you. Uh, West Ham versus Manchester United. West Ham have been, I mean, aside from the Carabao Cup, they've been on a pretty good run. And um, Man United, incredibly, are... I mean, what position are they? Where are they in the league? They're like... Seventh. The seventh, seventh. and only a point ahead of West Ham United. But still, I mean, the way that the, the narrative is going, they should be in kind of like 16th or something in, in relegation zone. But... But uh, how, how do you see this one going? I think it's, again, I, I, every game that Manchester United go into, I just think to myself, it's a, it's a difficult game after a difficult game. Uh, start of this month, I said I didn't see United getting, Manchester United getting a single point in the whole of December. Already got one point, so that's a positive. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you, you never want to play a team that just came off a huge dropping. You know, they just lost 5-1 midweek. United have had a week to train, so one can hope that the fitness levels are at a good place to go up against West Ham. But uh, there's nothing to to fill me with confidence that you know Manchester United can go to to West Ham and actually get any points. Same thing as next week when United have to go up against Villa. But you, just like I thought last week, I didn't think United would get anything at Anfield, anything at all. I didn't think they get a goal or a chance or anything. There's always a chance here. That's, that's, you just got to believe somehow. But I think West Ham are going to come back a lot more revitalized, a lot more eager to get a win. So I, I, I see it going down West Ham's way. I think Jared Bowen will have a lot of fun down his side going against uh, Luke Shaw because who I don't think is back to full fitness, doesn't look at his best yet. So I see West Ham getting a convincing 3-1 win over Manchester United over the weekend. Oh, How's run? How, how do you feel about this one? Yeah, again, with West Ham, uh, 
we knew we know that they got beat convincingly by Fulham a couple of weeks back. I think it was five nil, and the following week they beat Wolves. So similarly, I think they got outplayed at Anfield for sure. Uh, but they've still got a squad that can hurt United. Whether it's going to be a three nil win for United, I think that's that's my pessimism. Pacifism from from Sean. <laughs> I, I don't think it's going to be like that. Uh, even if United uh, West Ham United wins, it's going to be more of a one goal shock. I think United are strong enough. Uh, they've proven it. Uh, they've got to that point at Anfield. They defend. They defended quite resolutely. Uh, so it's. I don't expect to be to see a free flowing high scoring game, but I think in this game. Um, similarly to uh, Liverpool against Arsenal, it'll be a one world difference. So either United or West Ham. I, I see a winner in this game. Uh, but um, yeah, I don't think United will get convincingly beat if you ask me. Uh, uh, Des, I want to turn your attention though to what I think is going to be, well, on paper, the match of the weekend. Tottenham versus Everton. Spurs, Everton. Beauty and the Beast, we could say. Uh, uh, yeah, that's that's a fair description. The Everton under Sean Dyche, they I think they've gone four games without conceding a goal in the league. Picked up wins over Forest, Newcastle, Chelsea, and Burnley away. Um, it's it's a remarkable turnaround since the ten point deduction. Um, and Sean Dyche has done a very Sean Dyche thing. They're not pretty to watch, but it's very effective. The fans are utterly, utterly behind them. It was a even after the Fulham um, defeat in midweek in the in the League Cup, there was a a really good atmosphere around Goodison Park. Um, and they'll they'll give Tottenham a game. But I think Tottenham going forward uh, with Son Young-min um, looking still sharp as he goes into the Asia Cup. Remember, he'll miss a month when he goes to the yes. Asia Cup with uh, with Korea. Um, Tottenham have got to take make the most of him being there. Yeah, I can see this being um, a fun one in the Tottenham will attack Everton. And I can see Everton just, just being pipped on this one um, because Tottenham, after that, that, Bit of a wobble, that massive wobble that they had. Uh, they've recovered well with that win over Newcastle, and then very good win last week. So yeah, Tottenham to continue their recovery. And uh, another and, thing, uh, if Everton were unlucky to lose it, uh, penalties, I think Pickford sort of guessed four or five times the did, correct yes. way, and yet unfortunately, so morale is a bit down because that is their best chance to get silverware this year, <laughs> and they were there. They're playing well, so yeah. I think I'm sure that defeat hurt them quite a bit. Uh, so I think that will probably add on further into uh, into the game. So yeah. I agree with Bess, it's going to be Spurs as advantage Spurs at this point of time. Des, can I ask you, uh, what's the word from Merseyside? Because, I mean, Everton, the fans have had a, a pretty bad time over the last, what, 10 years almost. But in a way, it kind of, from from this distance, it feels like having been this given this 10-point deduction, but the fight back, I would imagine this is almost like the best of times. Um, not quite the best of times, but uh, resilience. That, that's that's the big thing. They're, they're almost uh, sticking two fingers up to... Uh, the Premier League saying you can stuff your 10 points up your nether regions. Uh, and they, 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 they've got them all back. They've got the 10 points back. And I'm sure on appeal, it'll be reduced as well. So um, there's there's a resilience amongst the Everton fans that they're always resilient or nearly always resilient. And Goodison was always a, a bear pit to go to. And the, the new stadium is still looking beautiful. It won't be ready next year. But um, yeah, the, there's, there's again a feeling kind of good factor around Everton but they're not a top team yet they're not a top team but uh, there is a, a feeling of resilience so yeah it's, it's good fun being um, a brother to an Everton fan mm. uh, Sean very quickly uh, Everton or Spurs who do you think I'm gonna go against these two guys and say that Everton have a good chance here 
I'm Wolf. just basing it off the fact that how Everton played against Chelsea, I think about a couple of weeks ago, Chelsea dominated the ball. But the minute Everton had a chance on the break, they look extremely dangerous with Ducore. So I think the key to Everton getting anything out of this game is through Ducore. And I think they have a very good chance against Spurs. Uh, and if that happens, then I will be once again um, an Ange Postacoglu naysayer. Uh, <laughs> so I, I'm getting schizophrenia here. I need to know one way or the other. Anyway, we'll take a short break. When we come back, uh, more Premier League and Malaysian football here on Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. More football when we come back. Just for Kicks, BFM 89.9. Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. Uh, welcome back with myself and uh, Des Korkil and Asran Rosane and Sean Mahotra. And now, Asran, uh, Fulham versus Burnley. I don't know what to say except Burnley don't change Fulham. I don't know. How, what, what's going to happen there? Fulham are on a high, of course. I mean, coming back from 2 5 nil. Consecutive five nil victories against Forest and West Ham, which is amazing. Obviously brought down to earth by a solid Newcastle side last week. And during the week, I think we spoke about it. They had the quarterfinals against Everton. Everton could have gone through, but for a late, late equaliser and then penalties, um, full of winning on penalties. So full of them got their spirits up high. So playing against Burnley, who I think we've spoken about it, they haven't still, unfortunately, Company still hasn't found the best eleven for him yet. That, that's my opinion. Um, they haven't. They appear a shadow of their championship last year, marauding championship winning side. Um, so only one winner here. I think Fulham are on full. I think this is the best Fulham has played uh, for the past eight nine months. They're in the semi-finals of the Carabao Cup with two legs against Liverpool to play for. They are all on full, full energy adrenaline. Uh, it's only one way from here. But I, I want yeah. someone to correct me if I'm wrong because I see a lot of similarities in this Burnley company team with the Leeds Bielsa team where going forward, they they look pretty good when they have their moments going forward. But the minute they have to defend, they look like they're in sixes and sevens and don't know what to do. And against a team like Fulham with the, the class that they have, I think... Andreas Pereira in Fulham's midfield was a match made in heaven. He was never going to work out at United, but it's worked out really well for him at Fulham. He's going to carve through that Burnley defence like a hot knife through butter. <laughs> Plus, I think yeah. we were mentioning about Fulham when they lost Mitrovic, who was going to carry the goals, but they've spread it across the midfield. Andres Pereira has scored. Um, um, William scored. So Harry Wilson has scored. So they really spread across their, their midfield. The goals have come across the midfield. So, uh, good good time for Fulham at this point of time. Yeah. And Des, I want to pick a fight with you. Uh, because you have always said, you know, you believe in uh, the, the teams to play this beautiful game, come what may. And yet, Burnley have been sticking with that policy and it's been, frankly, disastrous. And uh, well, Sheffield United, meanwhile, sacked their manager um, and are going a different direction. If you were in charge of, if you were the chairman of Burnley, wouldn't you just say, okay, th this isn't working. Let's go another way. Let's call in. Sean Dyche. Um, well, yeah. <laughs> or uh, who's, who else is there? Um, yeah. What would you do? Uh, I, I, so I, I, if I believe in Vincent Company, and they do, I'd stick with him. Um, yeah there's a good chance they will be relegated, but there was a very good chance they were going to be relegated anyway. Uh, with the, the way the Premier League is, uh, is structured financially, 
What it means is they can have a season learning, developing young players, drop back down in the championship, maybe lose a couple of their star assets, but have a, a year's experience, 150 million quid under the belt, and come back stronger. It's the old yo-yo thing. So if, if I believe in uh, the, the coach, I, I, I back him. Um, Hecking Bogdan, Hecking Bottom at Sheffield United, I don't think was the, ever a permanent fix. Vincent Company does seem to be a permanent fix at Burnley. So um, I had almost let the, the results go against you, unless you start getting battered week in, week out. And, and Burnley aren't being battered. They're, even though the games that they're losing um, heavily, the, the, the 4-1 uh, recently, was they were competitive until the 80th minute or so. So I think this is a huge learning process for Burnley. And heaven forbid they go back down the Sean Dyche route. Give me this kind of Burnley at the bottom rather than Sean Dyche's uh, team at the bottom any day of the week. Des was just singing the praises of Sean Dyche, Dyche with uh, Everton. And Effective is the word I've used for Sean Dyche. Effective, yeah. not pretty. Well, but, yeah, but the, you know, not pretty is fine. It's perfectly all right. Not uh, if you're paying 150 million quid. It's a business entertainment. What's this whole ESL thing about? It's entertainment. It's money. So you've got to give value for money. Right, right. Well, I mean, being thrashed 7-0 every week, that could be fun for somebody. Um, Sean, uh, I'm going to give you uh, another hard one. Luton versus Newcastle. Newcastle United have been, I think, doing better than I was expecting, given their injury troubles. Um, but against Luton, I mean, Luton putting up a fight could be interesting. Again, I'm going to have this this memory haunt me till the end of the season, right? Where I said Luton Town would go down without a shadow of a doubt. But the thing is, if this was being played at St. James's Park, I'd say, yeah, Newcastle, easy win. But for some weird reason, Luton playing at Kenworth Road this season, they seem like a really annoying team to go against. They don't back down that tiny compact stadium. Fans are on you constantly. It feels very... For me, when growing up, it feels very hybrid-ish Arsenal against United. Where right. You know it's going to be you know, uh, really hard to play against that team. Luton are not an easy team to break down. They will defend in numbers. I I've been really impressed with Ted and Mengi in Luton Town's defence. You know, he's, he's a young player who's gone through so many injuries in his career so far, but he looks comfortable where he is. Newcastle, very much yo-yo. I feel like there will be days where they look really, really good. And there'll be days where you don't understand what's going on in that team. Kieran Trippier, I feel, is uh, currently a very easy target <laughs> for anyone that's playing down that side. And I would normally never say that, but the last month for Kieran Trippier has been an absolute nightmare. He's made, I think, what, four mistakes in the space of three games that have led to goals. So whoever's playing down that left side for, for Luton, He's got a big, big task on his hands. Target Kieran Trippier and there's every chance that Luton can get something from this game. I'm going to make a prediction that I probably would have never made four or five months ago and say Luton actually scrape a win to one year. Oh, well, ho. Uh, yeah, that's a big really quick, it's a yeah quickly, thumbs up, yeah. thumbs down. Azran? Yeah. Uh, I, again, I see oh. where, where Sean is coming from, especially you know after what happened last week with Tom Lock here going down. I think he's back. The good news is he's recovering now. So I think it's a game at home. Yeah, yeah, they've got their fans behind them. Uh, and it's a possible upset from Luther. Okay, I want to move on to, and I want to give time to, and this is a, a bit of a first. Um, so it's going to be Nottingham Forest versus Bournemouth. And Des, I'd like to give a bit of time to talk about Bournemouth because they've, they've certainly surprised me. And 
recently. Um, team that I normally pay no attention to, uh, doing quite well, and I'm and I'm wondering what's what's going on there. I think all teams will have um, sweet spells during a season. Even your Lutons and your Burnleys, they'll they'll put together a, a run of wins, uh, which boost the confidence, elevate you a long way up the table. But um, a lot a lot of praise to to the coach who's come in and he's fashioned the team around unfashionable players. Dominic Solanke, I think, leads the line brilliantly. Um, uh, the Brazilian NATO in goal is a dominant goalkeeper generally, although he he, he has let in a couple from crosses, but. He's a, he's a dominant talking goalkeeper, so he organised them well. And Billing in midfield, I've always liked Billing. He was at Huddersfield for a while when Huddersfield had that time in, in, the, in the Premier League. Um, and he's carried on the good work at Bournemouth. They're a strong, physically difficult to play against team. Uh, they will have their ups. They will have their downs um, because I think they're so dependent upon um, a, a bare 11 or 12 Um I'm liking Samania as well, by the way. I'm, I'm, I'm liking uh, the, the former Celtic uh, midfielder. Um, not, not, oh, what's his name? Uh, not Forrest. Ah, oh, Celtic player in midfield, Christie. Um, so at the moment, they're playing well, but I don't think they'll do it over a long period of time. Uh, so I think Bournemouth will drop down towards the bottom, but they've got 19 points in the bags already, uh, halfway to, to what you need for safety. Um, so they, they could well su- survive this season. And Azran, you know Spanish football. Uh... With this manager, were you expecting? Uh, what were you expecting? I, I think he came quite well touted. No. I think if you uh-huh. look at, for example, Sky Sports, Jamie Carragher was tipping him to be one of the surprise managers for the season. So he's got a good reputation behind him. Um, so far, we've seen them playing good football. I think it's what Des mentioned. Um, again, the, for the past couple of weeks, they've even beat United at, at Old Trafford as well, uh, playing really good, good football. So... Um, I've been really, really positively, pleasantly surprised by by Bournemouth. Um, they appear to be very safe because obviously at the start of the season, probably their target would be um, to remain in the Premier League, to avoid relegation. And so far, it looks as if they are quite safe uh, come, come end of the season. Again, I know it's only halfway, but the, other, the three teams locked at the bottom at this point of time, they just look one class below everyone else. Yeah. So, Sean, um, Wolverhampton Wanderers versus Chelsea. So, while Chelsea are still in the English Premier League before they join the European Super League, uh, <laughs> uh, that's slander, I shouldn't say that. Uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know, Chelsea, this is a, a weird season. I guess we could say transitional. I thought last season was transitional, so this season's also transitional. Uh I don't know where to start with Chelsea. The thing is, this like the so the, the good thing for Chelsea right now is Christopher and Kunku's back. A lot of Chelsea fans were mentioning that they do, they were missing and Kunku. He looked really good during preseason. Now they have him back. It's it's a good time for them to have him back. I think. But I just want to put my uh, thoughts on Wolves. I thought they've been really unlucky this season. Yes. I think they've they've played really well under Gary O'Neill. I think they've looked really good. It's just defensively that. They're here and there at times. I think going forward, they look really good. There's that young midfielder that they have. What's his name? Uh, Doyle, is it? Yeah. I think he's looked really good in that midfield. You know, that's a big responsibility to come in as a youngster in that Wolves midfield. And he's, he's looked really good. They've lost Matthias Nunes, who I forgot even played for, for City at this point. <laughs> but I feel for Wolves. I think they're there, but they just need a slice of luck. And I think 
if you want a moment of luck and a chance to actually win a game, Chelsea may be a good time, a good team to play at this moment in time. But I'm really curious to see how Christopher Nkunku is going to do in his first proper game back now. He'll probably start this game against Wolves. So, yeah, I'm excited for this game. How's Ron? Um, I don't know. I, I felt so mean about Chelsea. I just you know, want people... See, Myra, we have uh, on, the, on the, the last show, and she's a Chelsea fan, so I feel I need to be polite but, um, about Chelsea. But uh, with you guys, I don't need to be. Uh, so, Chelsea, <laughs> how, what, are, what are they these days? Yeah, I get it. We thought last year was a one-off, but they've continued what they, I mean, how they've played and how they've performed from last season. But I think the big question is, we hope and we believe that they've learned their lesson in not firing their managers too soon. Uh, I believe from their past lessons or indiscretions, they've learned to hopefully give Pochettino a bit of chance because I think he deserves that. Um, he's been unlucky, to be fair, with a number of lots of injuries. Obviously, through he's bought a lot of players, but a number of them have gone down injured as well. So he has he hasn't had the ability to choose his best eleven so far. That's my personal opinion. Obviously, people are questioning also does he know his best eleven? Uh, unfortunately, I think that he isn't able to answer that question because he's not allowed to play any strong eleven so far. Um, so it, it, it's tough times for them. Uh, I just really, I do hope that they keep him for the time being and let's see what Pochettino can be capable of uh, in managing Chelsea Football Club. Yeah, well, Myra's putting on a bright face. So, <laughs> uh, Des, so last night it was... Uh, uh, one match was played last night. It was uh, Crystal Palace, Brighton. Brighton, uh, it was a 1-1 draw. Um, how how was that? Palace, uh, Palace uh, a surprising surprising form right now. Uh, yes, uh, the coach, um, Roy Halton's under pressure, surprisingly. Um, I, I, I was reading that and not, not really understanding. But then you look at the table, they've only scored um, 17 goals all season. That's relegation form. They've only got four wins in 17, and, and they go, oh, well, maybe, maybe he is a, a little bit under under pressure. Um, uh, fool. It's, it's a good point, this, for Palace, because Brighton are a decent team. Brighton are dropping down into the areas kind of where mid-table, where I expect them to, to finish the season. Palace need to get a couple of wins under their belts, otherwise they might be dragged into that scrap for uh, the, the team's fourth bottom. You know, the Knott's Forest, the Everton's at the moment with the 10-point deduction and where I expect Bournemouth to be. Um, Palace missing um, I think they're missing Wilfred Zaha I know he's not been there all season but as an out ball he was really good for Crystal Palace and I think they I don't think they've really replaced him Jordan Ayew can't do that Elise for all his um, uh, ability can't do that uh, and Eze it, it isn't fit or something's not quite firing with, with Eze so, so Palace just needs to get a couple of uh, big wins under the belt um, that's a good start yesterday the draw uh, to just keep them out of that, that bottom four, bottom five. All right. Okay, well, uh, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to look at uh, Malaysian football, wrap up the season. And also, uh, we've got a little thing for Santa's wish list here where we we, we uh, work out what it is that we would like to see happen in football here on Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. More football when we come back. Just for Kicks, BFM 89.9. Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. And welcome back to part four with me and Des and Azran and Sean. And now, Des and Azran, the season has just come to an end in Malaysia. Uh, Azran and I saw it out in uh, in our now traditional style of going to watch KL City. 
<laughs> every year. And uh, one, one, sorry, nil, nil draw. I'm going to keep saying that like forever. Um, Des, you g- give us a, an overview of um, what happened. And yes, okay, JDT were very good. What about other things? I thought, I mean, Slango got pretty good points total too. Well, Solango qualified for the AFC Champions League 2. So there's two main competitions in Asia next year. Johor going into the Elite, which is the uh, the top, uh, how many is it? Um, blah, blah, blah. Top eight, uh, top 20 clubs. And Solango go into the next group um, of, of, of clubs. So they've qualified. They finished quite comfortably clear. Seven points clear of Saba, who I believe have got financial woes for next year. Saba came third. Hedda coming fourth. They've got financial woes as well, though. Although I'm hearing lots of players are going to, to go to Kedah. Uh, KL City, 7th out of 14, right in the middle of the table. Surprise team for me was PDRN. Uh, they're, they're the police team. They work on a very, very small budget. They've got a, a striker called Bruno Suzuki, or Bruno Castaneda, as I used to know him uh, from my days in Singapore. And uh, he helped them get um, uh, a, 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 an 8th place position, which for PDM in such a competitive league, when they were expected to be right the way down at the bottom, was, was very credible. Um, Johor dominated though you can't get it away from the Johor story and then financial woes surrounding one or two of the other clubs as well um, now it's a long 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 wait before the next season uh, we're going to be starting in April or May uh, still not sure when although that's going to be announced soon we've got the Asia Cup before then the Asia Under 23 Championships uh, for the national teams before then and then the Malaysia League will kick on uh, once again but it's difficult to see anyone getting close to Johor Salango, the best of the bunch, if they can keep the investment going. April or May, that's incredible. Yes, yeah. So they're trying to that. they're trying to go with the European the European leagues. Yeah, so so there'll be a an, big, this is a big shift. This is and a big there'll shift. be another shift the year after where they'll start again in in uh, July or August. Right. And coincidentally, so meet tense this year as well because of the competitions. Plus, we've got Ramadan and Eid, so it's nice. It's nicely when it starts in May, it'll be after after Eid. Right. Okay. So, Azran, how was the season for you as a, as a fan up well, in the stands? In the VIP I'll, section, actually, I want to I add, actually. Azran is not, he's not an ultra. <laughs> um, uh, I think, as expected, after Johor's victories last season, they did it again. So, it's a double trouble for them. Uh, I think, Des, we were just talking about the fact that they needed eight goals to score 100 before their yes, game. Yes, correct. They did score eight goals. So, nothing surprises me when it comes to DVP <laughs> anymore. So, JDT won everything. So, we knew at the start of the season, it was number one, a battle for second place. And Slango did very well to get that and qualify for the Asian Champions League too at that. And for the rest of the teams, it was about giving a shot at being in the final of the respective cups and giving it a go. So KL did it uh, in the FA Cup. Trangano did it in the Malaysia Cup, but fell just short. So overall, I think mm. it was as expected. The only sad thing that we hear is the financial wars that's troubling a number of clubs, including our beloved club. I can say our now, right? Uh, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Our beloved club. Yeah, come on you. Kind of reds, but actually in a bit more white and red. Uh, actually, one of the exciting things about going to watch the Kale City uh, matches, I actually finally discovered what color they were. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> so that was good. Um, it was a nil-nil draw, by the way. Uh, so uh, we move on, though, and we're going to move on to uh, it, it's Christmas and it's New Year. So um, Des came up with this idea of asking each of us to come up with three kind of gifts or that we would like to get or to see happen to the game of football 
uh, that would improve it in our minds. And well, it was Des's idea. So Des, what do you have in your in your uh, Santa bag? Yeah, you've got a kind of Santa shape to you, so that'll be good. Oh, that's a bit harsh. That's a very harsh. <laughs> well, no, but it, you know, a slim modern Santa for a, for a modern age. Thank, Thank you if... very much. So you, you, you forbade me from uh, mentioning VAR. So I'd, I'd love a special VAR disappears magic potion, but you 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 banned that one. So my, the, wow. the couple of things I'd like. Number one, I'd love it if referees were allowed to manage games and not uh, be rigidly adhered to. Now you're going to get the whole consistency thing once again, but managing referees, uh, managing games is so important. And particularly, let's mention Stockley Park. If you're miles away in Stockley Park and you're looking at something um, on a videotape, it's not the same as being there. And referees are not allowed to manage games. I, I wish they, they were able to do so. I also wish teams will play in their traditional kits unless there's a genuine, genuine colour clash. It drives me bonkers to see Manchester City playing in their second strips when they're playing against teams who are nowhere near blue or whatever. <laughs> Why, why would you, well, apart from to sell money, uh, to, to sell more kits? So that's number two. Number three, I really, really want Malaysia to do well in the Asia Cup uh, in uh, January and February of next year. If they could get out of their group, it would be wonderful. Okay. Uh, Sean, do you have any uh, gifts that you want to hand out or have handed out? I would love, uh, I, I'm going to work around your whole, you know, VR thingy and like, find a loophole here. I would love a restructuring <laughs> of the PGM oil. I think it's time for a proper restructure in terms of the rules and the personnel. I think it would be refreshing for the game. Of course, there's the adverse. What if it gets worse? But you don't know what you're going to get, right? So I feel like it may be we needed. Do. We yeah. do. It's going to get worse. Yes. Okay. <laughs> the other thing, and maybe a bit more selfish, I would finally love to see Ineos like, get the 30% stake of United. I've been waiting way too long for this. Mm-hmm. And I think finally it'd be, be a big save. But because there's two teams up there that, as a United fan, I don't want to see win the league. I would love to see Villa win the Premier League. <laughs> All right, okay. Oh, by the way, with Ineos, I'm a cycling fan, so I've seen Ineos take yeah. over the Sky team that was all dominant, and Ineos team has not been dominant. I mean, you know, luck went against them, but uh, I'm the a Mercedes fan, team. and they've done well there. <laughs> oh, okay, fair enough. Uh, Asran, three gifts. So three years, right? Uh, football related, of course. I'm glad that Des took one because uh, I really also want to see Malaysia do well in the Asian Cup. So at least Des has got his, it as his wish. So that's granted. So I'll use my wish for probably a bit more investment uh, in the local game uh, yeah. to solve the financial woes of a number of clubs. Yeah. We need to really, you know, it, it cannot be a one-horse race forever. We need to even the playing field to a certain extent. So I want to see more investment coming into the game. So at least, uh, I mean, if you go to the root of the problem, we want to see more grassroots as well. But okay, let's start with the Malaysian League. More investments coming in so teams can actually compete, uh, not just against JDT, but also in Asia, whenever they play in Asia. So that's my first wish. Second wish, I think obviously during this Christmas period, there are a lot of injuries, uh, in particular, even to my beloved team, Liverpool. So maybe a magic sponge that can either heal <laughs> uh, those players who are injured. We need Andy Robertson back, McAllister as soon as possible, or ensure that we know not we have and Thiago. We forgot about Thiago. Thiago hasn't kicked the ball all this season. So there's a number of players that I want to see coming back and also to ensure that we avoid players getting injured. Uh, we can't have Graven Birch injured for Law or Zoboslai or Salah or anyone else. So that's my second wish. And my third wish, 
uh, I think in line with what Tron has mentioned, I want to see some upsets in the winning the league, not Villa, of course. I want to see Girona winning the Spanish league, for example. That would be nice. That'd be an upset. Man, Man City run. Yeah, that'd be an upset. It's an, off, it's an offshoot yeah, of Man, Man City, City double. It is. It is. <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of which, um, we've run out of time, so we can't talk about the Club World Cup, Man City against Fulminese. Oh, well. And uh, so we, we move on. And I'd like to thank our guests, not just for this show, but actually throughout the year. I'd like to thank Sean Mahotra. Thank you. Thank you. It's been a lot of fun, not as a United fan, but as a football fan, it's been great. Uh, I hope everyone has a great Christmas. And if I'm not around for next week, Friday's show, I hope everyone has a great New Year's as well. And that goes to everyone in today's show as too. Ooh, thank you. And uh, Asran Rosain, thank you. I think likewise. Thank you, everyone. Happy holidays. Hope this year has been great for everyone and wishing a better New Year ahead next year. Happy New Year to everyone. Thank you. And Desko, okay. Oh. Yeah, thank you very much. You know, it's going to be a somber ending, but uh, it's just over two years since uh, Ross Yusuf passed away. Wow. Uh, we, we always remember Ross, of course. So um, he, he started the, the, the work that you're carrying on so, so great. Uh, so really welcome. So, um, yeah, memories to Ross. I'll, I'll raise a, a blast him at Christmas. It's still Ross's show. It's Ross's show and we're just filling in. <laughs> and uh, I'd also like to thank our producer, Hanif Baharudin, for his sterling work through the year. And, uh, well, and that's myself, Cam Russell, and see you next time here on Just For Kicks on BFM 89.9. For more football, tune in Mondays and Fridays at 8pm. Just for kicks on BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.